What's up, Gen X? Welcome back and a happy new year to all of you. It's good to be back with you and I'm looking forward to all the fun and nonsense we get to prat on about this year. You know, this Christmas I received a uh, video projector uh, from my wife as one of my presents. And it's one of the things I was thinking about getting for quite some time. I wasn't really sure how to how to incorporate it um, because we have in my home these uh, build-outs in our living room and the TV that we have down there is not all that big by you know today's standards. It might only be like 34 to 36 inches. I mean, it's, it's really not all that big. But we have more room in the uh, basement <clears throat> but and, and we have an older plasma TV that we have down there that we've had for quite some time and I kind of put it out you know, for the kids for a while. I, maybe we should get a, a projector and they've been dead set against it so I've always kind of had the back of my mind, well, whatever. So my wife surprised me with one uh, this Christmas. So over the break, I was breaking that in with with one of my boys and, and it came with this huge screen uh, screen like a, a fabric screen <clears throat> and it's about 120 inches in diagonal so it's you know pretty pretty big so we spent some time over the break testing it out and we started off and we played the you know intro to lord of the rings fellowship of the ring with uh you know that whole intro and then we we watched some movies on it just to get a feel of what it'd be like like we watched black adam we watched top gun maverick and and we started to see like, hey, this is actually kind of cool. You know, it almost feels like a pseudo theater experience. And of course, it's much smaller than the theater screen, but in our in our basement, it it just felt massive. So we kind of had a a lot of fun with that over over the break. So on New Year's Day, I thought, well, it worked pretty good with movies. What about sports? Because you guys know that I'm a sports guy and. On New Year's Day, it was a Sunday, so it was an NFL day, and so I decided to test it out with watching my beloved yet horrendous Chicago Bears. So they were playing the Detroit Lions, and I hooked up my iPad, and I'm streaming the Dish Anywhere app, and just trying to get a sense of what it was like. And it was kind of cool, but it was buffering and pixelating, and it was lagging a bit, and so, okay, I was trying to think of how, what else can I, how better can I do this? So then I realized, oh, wait a minute, I could maybe, instead of doing it with my iPad, it'll probably work better with the Fire Stick. So then the next day, after I spent the morning taking down all the Christmas stuff and all the ornaments, packing them back up and putting them away, I celebrated my day of hard work with watching the Rose Bowl on the projector with the fire stick. And that worked much better, and it was awesome. And I, I just loved watching on this huge screen, larger than life, and, and better yet, seeing the Utah Utes get shellacked by the Penn State Nittany, Nittany Lions. And I was having a day of it. It was a fun time. And so this is on... On Monday, normally, you know, these games, as you know, are, are New Year's Day bowl games, but because NFL had Sunday, these were being played on on the 2nd, on Monday. And what I didn't realize, because of that, normally, I uh, at the end of the day, after the Rose Bowl, I'll watch 
the Sugar Bowl, the Orange Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, whichever one's after that. Well, those were played on different days because Monday was belonged to Monday Night Football. And so I'd been sitting watching the Rose Bowl. So I'm like, yeah, maybe we'll catch the intro, you know, the first quarter of Monday Night Football because normally I kind of write it off because by then all the good games have been played. Monday night tends to be bad matchups, but this week was a good one. It was between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Buffalo Bills, which typically are awful teams, but this year they are two of the three best teams in the AFC, if not in the entire NFL, but certainly in the AFC with second only behind uh, second third only behind the Kansas City Chiefs. And the way the records are, they're close in the standing, so this game mattered because the the winner of this could possibly, depending on the outcomes of the final weekend, get the number 1 spot in the AFC playoffs and a first round bye and and be able to host the winner of the lesser record of the wild card rounds or whatever whatever so just had some interest in it not a fan of necessarily either team but both teams are good both teams have players that i'm interested in watching particularly the quarterbacks joe burrow for cincinnati and josh allen for the bills and so i'm just kind of watching and it was fun you know good start and the crowd was into it it was seven to three and i'm just about ready to to shut her down and and go up and, and give my wife some of my time because I'd been kind of holed up watching sports all day or a good bulk of the day. And that was when a cornerback from the Buffalo Bills, or safety, plays secondary, by the name of Damar Hamlin, made a rather you know, unspectacular tackle. And he he, he brought uh, brought the receiver down, gets up, wobbles a bit, and falls flat on his back. It was bizarre. You know, it was one of those things that you rarely see. I mean, if you, if you watch football, you've seen enough guys with, with head injuries and get knocked out. Rarely, in, in rare events, you see them being knocked unconscious, particularly nowadays when they are much more focused on head injuries and you know, particularly trying to avoid head injuries and, and they've crafted rules to, as best they could to avoid them. And so you know, looking at the replay and they thought like, well, what didn't I see? Because if you watch as much football as, as I do and probably as you do, I mean, you see some wicked violent hits. In fact, over the weekend in the, I believe it was the Peach Bowl between Georgia and Ohio State, Marvin Harrison Jr. was was trying to make a catch in the back of the end zone and got leveled. And they initially called it a targeting uh, penalty. They reviewed it and, and took away the target because the guy just laid in with his shoulder. It was perfectly legal under you know today's standards, but Marvin Harrison Jr. was wrecked. And he had a I went in the concussion, concussion protocol and was not allowed back in the game. So it was one of those where you watched it and you knew in, in real time that that was a, a wicked hit. And he laid down on the on the ground for a while and got up and was not able to continue. So you, you, you see that and you learn how to recognize that stuff. But this one, it didn't seem that way. And But when they replayed it, you saw like, well, maybe when he goes down, he kind of hits the side of his head on the on the ground a bit. And you're trying to figure out what in the heck just happened. 
because you know in the back of your mind as a sports fan you always have you you know that sometimes things are much less uh severe and impactful than it might seem you know a classic example is when dale earnhardt went into the wall i, I remember it was daytona where it was and just kind of an unspectacular crash but hit it head on but just the way that he did it and and the force killed him on impact right so you know in the back of your mind that there's always that chance that something lo- is much more impactful and and harmful than it might look in in real time or you know to the naked eye and so I'm watching that and I'm thinking well wait that doesn't I'm mean, I'm not a doctor so I don't know any better I'm just some schmuck of a sports fan but I'm watching that thing well it doesn't make sense cuz when someone is is knocked cold like Marvin Harrison Jr or or someone else who hits their head pretty hard on the ground and they get knocked out they're laid out cold I I can't think of a a concussion that you saw where someone stood up I mean, you've seen them kind of wobble and then kind of go back down to their knees or sit and kind of gather themselves. But I, I couldn't remember a case where someone stood up after being sustaining a concussion and just fall straight on their back. And so it's trying to figure out figure out what was going on. And, and as you tr- you're thinking through this, you see that you know the announcers are kind of at a loss. And you see some panic and worry on the face of the players from both sides. And as details come out in this, you start realizing this is something that's pretty serious. This is not just your run-of-the-mill sports injury, your run-of-the-mill football impact injury. This is something that's serious. And then you hear that they had to administer CPR for nine minutes. They used the AED on him on the field. And by the time the um, the... Medics were able to take him out on an ambulance. You, your kind of confusion turned to worry, almost panic. Like, my goodness, if they're administering CPR to him, is his heart stop? His heart stop on the field? I mean, it was, I mean, just awful to to watch. And of course, you 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 not only just wish the kid well, but you also sit in horror. Like, man, can you imagine being his family, whether they're at the game, I don't know, but can you imagine if they're not watching on TV and seeing your son or your nephew or whomever sustain that and are in, in that state? I mean, it, you can only imagine the panic that would, would come over you. And so you just feel for his parents. You're trying to figure out, man, what, what in the world happened to that poor kid? And you hope he's okay. You know, hope they're able to you know, take care of him in short order and what have you. Um, so it was just, uh, it was very, very, it was, it was, um, it was very, a very chilling thing to watch. Um, and as, as you're doing this and you're, of course you, as anyone goes now, nowadays, something like this happens to try to see, get any information quick. You hit the internet, you go to news outlets, you go to social media and whatever. And no sooner are you trying to figure out, get some information on what happened, you start seeing people just blasting tweets and speculation and whatever, and it just very quickly, in an almost a disrespectful way, becomes this kind of weird political tug of war. I mean, it's just super, super odd. I just, I, I couldn't, I, I was really struck by how quick people were to immediately 
start to um, level their judgment without knowing anything. You know, it was, it was really, really weird. And one in particular kind of caught my eye, and that was by this, apparently he's a doctor. I'd never heard of him, but it it caught uh, attention pretty quickly. Um, I'm try to find here what, the, what this uh, numbskull's name was. Um, his name is Dr. Chris Chaddick, or he goes by Dr. Dog, 1996. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, got a lot of attention right away, and, and he had this graphic of this of this kid, this little leaguer, and a baseball with an arrow to his chest, and and he says, as a physician, I believe Damar Hamlin was likely suffering from commodio cordis, where a blow to the chest at a precise moment in the electrical cycle stops the heart. Those trying to tie this to vaccine status to project their unscientific beliefs are terrible, horrible people. Wait, what? <laughs> huh? <laughs> of course, you look at it and then people are, are also pointing out obvious similarities to what you saw live on Monday Night Football to so many other instances that we've seen it with shocking regularity over the past year plus of young athletes collapsing on the field, collapsing on the basketball court and saying, well, this must be because of the vaccine, myocarditis concerns and so on and so on, so forth. It just, it was crazy. I mean, here, this kid is still in a very tenuous state. They're taking him to the hospital in an ambulance as we speak. And right away, social media does its thing. And there's speculation and insults going back and forth. And Chris Haddock is the just the uh, archetype of that nonsense. So here I am sitting after digesting all that thing. I'm like, you know what? After observing what I did and you know, as much experience as a sports fan as I am and watching people get hurt and carted off fields and whatever... I can say, sitting here, with 100% certainty regarding Demar Hamlin on that play, that him going into cardiac arrest, him his myocardial infarction there on the football field in Cincinnati was 100% caused from... I have no idea. I have no idea. I mean, hopefully at some point we'll get information. We can kind of speculate, put things together. But where we sit, I have no idea. I have no more idea than Chris Haddock or any other idiot on Twitter has. I have no idea. I'm not a doctor. I'm not his doctor. I'm not an attending physician. I'm not an EMT that took care of the kid. I have no idea. I can speculate. I can guess. I can read what people are saying and, and think, well, this kind of makes more sense than that or whatever. But I don't know. I don't know. You don't know. Chris Haddock doesn't know. I mean, hopefully at some point we'll be able to get a better understanding. But I don't know. I don't know. Now, the teams were understandably distraught and in, in quick order, they decided that this game was not going to be continued. Now, as as of yet, I still don't know if that is going to be picked up. 
Yeah, in all likelihood, the NFL is going to look to see, based on the results of the final weekend, if it's necessary. I mean, really at this point, just call it a tie and move on with... I mean, they're both playoff teams. Yeah, it's unfortunate that you can't have the true outcome that you would like, but you know, given the human concerns, I think we can we can just move forward on this one um, and and put our support behind Demar and hope that uh, he gets better. But with going back to then the speculation that we saw, Chris Haddock in particular, as I was just really caught by his knee-jerk reaction, particularly how he was calling out people for making or projecting their unscientific beliefs. Well, you don't know, Chris. You don't know. Just like someone saying, that's definitely from the facts. They don't know either. So it's interesting how he says, you know, those who are projecting their unscientific beliefs are terrible or horrible people. But him projecting his scientific beliefs are not, he's not a terrible, horrible person. I, I don't know. Particularly when you look at, the, the more that caught my attention, I looked into this whole Commodio Cordis thing. Apparently, this is something that is extremely rare. And it's essentially, you only see it really with kids. And you see it with kids with, um, in ball sports, um, meaning like particularly like hockey, softball, baseball, lacrosse, right? So where you have a small object traveling at a very high level of speed that hits them in right the just unfortunate wrong spot that could stop their heart. And they're, and looking into it, from what I understand, you see about 20 of these per year. It, it's very rare, very, very, very rare. And of those 20, like at least like 15 of them survive. Um, but which, you know, of course, five is too many, but it underscores just how rare of an instance it is. And, and apparently what makes it so dangerous for kids is, you know, they haven't grown into their adolescent body. They haven't grown into their adult body yet. And so they don't have as much uh, muscle tissue or fatty tissue or whatever in their chest that could buffer a hit like that, especially at that, that uh, rate of speed that would hit you right in the chest. So it's essentially, it's only seen and noticed in children. So for them to immediately knee-jerk project this commodio cordis from an NFL game seems to be a stretch at best. Now, it could very well be that that ends up being exactly the case. It's possible. Very, very possible. But from the replay I saw, I did not see any blunt impact to his chest. Again, it was a very routine tackle. Plus, we're talking about a 20, 21, 22-year-old athlete, professional athlete, in his, growing in, in his man body, and just, just the athletic specimen that this guy is. I mean, he's you know one of the best of the best. Plus, he's not on some chump team, right? Not on the Bears. <laughs> he's on the Buffalo Bills, who are good, and their defense is really good. I mean, this is a good, world-class athlete so it's it just didn't follow all the hallmarks that he was saying right away and so you always have to put that also into the unscientific 
believe is based on science, but it's no more or less speculation than anyone who's also at, at this point saying that it could be from the vaccine. However, what we can say based on the statistics is there have been a, in the past, I think, year and a half, 18 months or so, there have been about 1,500 cases of athletes dropping and collapsing on on the field you know, during competition where between now and or, or prior to that in the previous 30 to 40 years there have been about the same amount so in the past year there have been the same amount of those instances that we've seen in the previous 30 plus so statistically yeah that's a dramatic increase you would think we would want to know why you think we would be able to ask the question why and when you see that rise in these cases and corresponding with vac- this experimental vaccine rollout or experimental shot rollout this mrna therapy and in many cases like the nfl and others where it's mandated and you see this corresponding spike in cardiac issues on the playing field, I think that warrants a discussion. It warrants a conversation that they don't want to have, that the Chris Haddocks of the, of the world do not want to have. And I can only speculate that they don't want to have that conversation because it runs the risk that it goes counter to their own orthodoxy. Now, it's the same people who have been wrong about everything regarding the pandemic and the aftermath all along the way. They were wrong about the severity of the pandemic initially. They were wrong about masks. They were wrong about shelter in place. They were wrong about two weeks to slow the spread. They were wrong about the vaccine. They were wrong about everything. Wrong. They were just wrong every step of the way. And now they want us just to accept, yeah, this dramatic rise in athletes collapsing. Yeah, that's not because of the vaccine. Okay, now we're, now we're going to take you. Now you're going to mysteriously be correct. It could be that they are, but I think it warrants a conversation. It warrants a genuine look. But I suspect that there is enough interest to the contrary that we may not know what happened. Lord knows if that happened to one of my friends or family, I would be screaming it from the mountaintops. I hope we will start to see family start to scream this as well and not just lay over and accept, oh, well, these things happen. No, they don't. In in a sane world, no, these things don't happen. They don't. But again, it it just stokes more suspicion and mistrust from one group of people. Again, this the same people that have been consistently incorrect. Now, the last thing that I was very taken with during this whole thing, it was as you're looking through and seeing all this nonsense on social media, people speculating this way and that, it was very heartwarming to see a genuine outpouring of concern. And in particular, you saw... Sentiment over and over, pray for this kid, pray for his family, pray for him, pray for him, pray. I mean, and well-known athletes were saying it, Mike Trout and 
and Robert Griffin III and all with a remarkable consistency. Pray for this kid, pray for this kid, pray for this kid. And I was really taken by, first of all, the genuine sentiment, one, but also very ironic that now thoughts and prayers are fine. How many times have we heard in the wake of tragedy, I don't want your thoughts and prayers, blah, blah, blah. Your thoughts and prayers do nothing, blah, 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 blah. But for Damar Hamlin, they mattered. So I hope the kid has a full recovery. I hope we see him suit up sooner rather than later. But it warrants a discussion as to why this happened and not just some uh, Twitter jockey like Chris Haddock or me or you. I hope we have an actual honest discussion of what happened because this is not as rare as it's been in the NFL. It's becoming more common around the globe. And if we ignore it, the likelihood that we'll see it again seems to be pretty high. Switching gears, this week there were a couple more Twitter file drops, um, and these ones were fun. The first one, the first drop, was documenting how Twitter let the intelligence community kind of worm its way in. And how early on, they saw this, by and large, as kind of a PR issue. And it really stemmed from the whole cock and bull story of Russia interference in the 2016 election, the Steele dossier, you know, they were investigating it and they were just hell bent on, on, on proving this case, which of course we know now that it was not only not true, but it was something that was concocted by the Hillary campaign itself and received the full blessing by the Obama administration, including Barack Obama and Joe Biden and on and on. Yeah, we don't need to rehash that one. But it stemmed from that, that we need to root out these foreign uh, interference in, on social media that, that uh, interfered with the election in 2016. Twitter initially saw it as much more of a PR issue, but then caved to moderation. And they kind of reluctantly would flag and suspend some you know Russian accounts, Russian bot accounts or or what have you. But what really this latest Twitter file drop showed a couple things. One is what we know now um, and just more confirmation that there never was evidence of Russia involvement in the 2016 election. You still hear the denier of all election deniers, Hillary Clinton still say that there was, Involvement, a Russian involvement in the 2016 election, and that election was stolen from her. But there was also evidence that Twitter was very aggressively pressured by Hillary Clinton and others, Adam Schiff in particular, as he was investigating, leading the investigation into this nonsense and, and fictional interference of Russian collusion. The reporter who actually kind of broke the, who ended up breaking the story, that there was no interference and and all the nonsense that was going on with that committee, Adam Schiff was very aggressively trying to get Twitter to block this reporter's account, and at first, you know, Twitter kind of balked at it like in October, and then the following by the following 
you know, April or whatever, like 2021, they finally relented and they banned him. And he remained banned until after Elon Musk bought Twitter. He was banned because the head of the Senate in, or House Investigatory Committee pressured so, a social media company to ban a reporter from Twitter. Think of how chilling that is. Think of how illegal that is in a direct violation of the Constitution without evidence, without trial, a member of the government heading an investigation committee moved to have a reporter blocked. Incredible evidence that was dropped in that uh, Twitter file drop. The next one was, they call it the FBI belly button. And this was how they give a number of examples of how like early on they censored the, the lab leak speculation um, how the GEC was being too political and so on. It was just more evidence of the you know, FBI and other government agencies worming its way in to a tech company to suppress the speech of private individuals. I mean, stunning, stunning stuff. I mean, East German level kind of crap. It's, it's absolutely crazy. Now, there's some uh, speculation based on uh, some of the things that, uh, that Elon Musk has tweeted. I think he tweeted in response to, um, oh gosh, the, the Hillary Clinton, uh, uh, Juanita Broderick, I think that's her name, um, that there will be a, a Fauci Twitter file drop, and that is the red meat I am waiting for. I cannot wait to see how aggressively Twitter colluded with the government to censor and, and fact check all these things that we now know are were false. And, and they were censoring people for even just having a discussion, which is really what these social media companies should be. They should be a forum to discuss. They should be a forum to put out ideas. And if they're wrong, explain why they're wrong and have a debate. But they didn't. These same people, like like we were talking about with the uh, the Commodio Cordis uh, people, they are the same people who've been wrong every step of the way. They were the same people who, while being wrong, wanted to be in charge of misinformation and disinformation. And now with all these Twitter file drops, and, and we saw the level of interference between the government and these companies. And now the the Truth Commission that was was going to come out in that, uh, that creepy, that creepy woman, I, f I forget her name, that was going to lead that up and was going to be in charge of the, the sort of misinformation czar. I mean, it's, I mean, it's East German level nonsense. It's crazy. So that's, uh, where that one leaves off. So it's interesting to see what will happen is as a follow-up. We'll keep our eye on it. Um, and maybe Biden then will know, is there going to be a Speaker of the House chosen by the Republicans? Because as of yet, they haven't selected one, you know, and there's a, some fascinating arm wrestling that's going on with Kevin McCarthy and the and the Freedom Caucus. And it's it's kind of playing out like we've always said, how the Democrats are always bad and the Republicans are usually bad. To the And on the Republican side, it's, it's, it's right now on a percentage basis, it's about like... 80% not good, but those that 20%, 20% of 
you know, those are the ones that give you a little bit of hope and that maybe some things will, will change. So that said, again, Happy New Year. I hope all is well with you and your family. And, and it's a reminder it's, as you make your New Year's resolutions, do it anytime. You, you don't have to wait for the new year to make a resolution. If you want to change something, do it anytime, whether it's April 17th, June 20th, or whatever. If you want to learn how to play an instrument, you want to run, jog, exercise, lose weight, new hobby, paint, whatever, start anytime. You know, the year, beginning of the year, it's, it's nice, but most of those fail. You know, do it anytime you want, any time of the year resolution, as far as I'm concerned. But maybe you don't, you know, whatever, up to you. So with that, have a good week, and I will see you next time. Or not. Whatever. <laughs>